0: And just want to share with you just a short message to uh, encourage your hearts uh, to help us through these things. Um, you know, in recent weeks, we've been looking at 1 Peter um, because Peter has directed our hearts to, to think about suffering. Um, and this morning, I just want to look at one verse of scripture for us, First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Uh, this verse deals with anxiety. Um, um just because those who are suffering, you think about if you're suffering, that's time when you're anxious. You are you're you're anxious about the difficulties coming on you. I think about Jake and just the difficulties of anxious about money, whether that's coming in or not, people anxious about job, uh people are, are anxious about uh, the difficulties coming about with, with COVID-19, maybe illnesses themselves, maybe just the, the government response and shutting down our economy. Um just the problems that's causing and the uprising. I mean, there's plenty of anxiety today um, and, and there's going to be anxiety about thinking about what the future is about. And so I think that it's most appropriate for us this morning to, to look at this text. Um, I want to read a, a poem by Sarah Bournes um, just as we, we get into things. It's entitled, We've All Been Exposed. She writes this. She says, we've all been exposed not necessarily to the virus, maybe even, who knows? We've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear, now exposed by the paper masks We can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts, our misplaced trust. Corona is calling everything into question. What's the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? How do we love without risk? Corona is exposing me, my mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, my fragile nerves. We've all been exposed in our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. And so now what? What's left, clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts? What Corona reveals God can heal. Come Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. And I think these things are a good perspective as we, we think about coronavirus and we think about the government response and the, the things that, that's caused all the uncertainties of the future. And, and naturally, there is a, a lot of anxiety in our lives. And, and Peter knew this. In a book about suffering, he speaks about anxiety towards the end of the book. My message is from one verse for Peter 5, verse 7, overcoming anxiety. So I just want to read just the the one verse for us. And and Peter writes this really, really simply. He says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Why don't you all say it together in your home, wherever you are? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, I, I trust even that you see here that, that, that um, this, this isn't even a complete sentence. I mean, it starts with, with casting. He, he doesn't say cast as if he's going to start a new sentence. He says casting. And the idea here is that, that verse 7 is a subordinate idea. The main idea comes here from verse 6 in which Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you the the, the main command here is to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and the idea is casting all your anxieties on him is a subset of a way in which you can humble yourself I I don't know if you've ever thought about this before but, but anxiety is really an issue of pride we think that in our own thinking, we can avoid the suffering that's coming. We we think that by our worry we can figure out the situation and our anxiety maybe even be able to change the situation, but we can't. And humility recognizes our lack of ability, and humility will cast our anxieties upon the Lord, acknowledging really that we're not sufficient for the task, that we have, have many anxieties that we just need to, to give over to Him. And so just encourage you, church family, as you struggle perhaps in these days with anxiety and with uh, struggles with things that you would, would really think that, you know what, it's just my pride that thinks I can, can fix it all, but I need to really trust the Lord. Well, my message this morning has, has two points, They both come from verse 7, and here's here's the first point. It says, say say your prayers. And and this comes from this this phrase that Peter says, casting all your anxieties on him. The picture that that Peter gives here is of uh, taking something in your arms and throwing it far from you. Uh, There's this burden that you have on your shoulder, just, just getting it off. Maybe it's the picture of the farmer who takes the hay and throws it into the barn and then leaves it in the barn. Or the garbage man who takes the garbage and pours it into the truck. Or the, the man digging the hole in dirt and he's throwing it far away. And, and that's, that's really what First Peter 5, 7 is talking about when he says, cast all your anxieties on him. It's like, like setting them aside and, and putting them in God's hand. Rather than carrying the burden on our back, it's to getting some distance from it. It's placing it into God's care. Right, Heaving it far away. And that's, that's what Peter's envisioning for us. And, and how do you do this? How do you cast all your anxieties on him? But to pray. I think the, these, these are similar ideas here. Casting all your anxieties and praying. And, and really in many ways, it's the only way to handle the situation. I, I think about this with the coronavirus. And, and a prayer of casting your anxieties on him might go like this. God, I'm anxious for coronavirus. I, I have a family member who is at risk. If he gets sick, I'm afraid he won't be strong enough to make it. Father, I'm, I'm concerned about my, my job and the, the casualty of the government shutdowns that's causing some financial strain on me. And I pray, God, that you would take my worry upon yourself. Give me a carefree attitude over these things. I certainly will work hard. And and I'll prepare for something else if I lose my job. I I would be creative in trying to think about how I can solve this. But God, I give it to you. Let let you worry. I'm worried also about the government unrest. The government seems to have overstepped its bounds. Some think, and I know there's tension and 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 the bailouts. I'm worried about the bailouts bankrupting our, our bankrupting bankrupting our country. And I don't want it to be anxious about it anymore. It doesn't mean no good. So here here God. You take it. I I know I can't change things. These problems are way too big for me. And and I know that my thinking can't change things, but I just give it all to you, O Lord. That's what Peter is encouraging here. He's he's encouraging you to to say your your prayers. Now, I I love the one way that uh, a a woman took care of her anxieties. She says this. She says, Heart-shaped and tied with a ribbon, my anxiety anxiety box sits on the bookcase above my desk. If I can shake it, she says, I hear the, the rustling paper inside. And when anxiety takes over my mind, I take a small piece of paper and write out what's causing me anxiety. I date the paper and I put it in my anxiety box. And as I untie the ribbon, open the lid, I pray, God, I'm giving you this worry that's tearing me apart. As I place it in the box, I'm saying to you that it is yours. I, I I give it to you. You can deal with it much better than I can. And then I close the box, retie the ribbon, and I thank God that the worry is now his. And every time I see the box stuffed with worries, I'm reminded that God is carrying them and not me. Once or twice a year, I open my box and read through the worries. I thank God for the ones he's taken care of. And the others I put back in the heart-shaped box and entrust them to his timing. Well, that's really what Peter's calling us to do. We need to take our anxiety, unload it from our soul to give it to the one who who cares for us. And when you unload your, your cares and concerns upon the Lord, they're done, right? You shouldn't have to worry about them any longer. And the idea here is that you give your anxieties to the Lord, right? Never having to be concerned upon them again because look, it's casting all your anxieties on him, So you're giving it to the Lord. And and should your concern creep back into your life, like like some of the dirt you just shovel out of that hole, you just need to take it and you need to shovel it back again. Or like those slips of paper in the anxiety box, you just need to take those and put those right back again. It's interesting here when Paul addressed the issue of anxiety, he, he used these words, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by Prayer, Notice the prayer word. And supplication, that is a prayer word. And thanksgiving, that is a prayer word. And requests, that's a prayer word. Let your requests be made known to God. And so when Paul addresses the issue of worry, he says the same thing Peter does. Just say your prayers. Right? Don't be anxious. Right? But but pray and pray and pray and pray. Uh, look, look at how exhausted Paul is. He says, be anxious for nothing, right? In, in everything you should pray. Is that not similar to what, what Peter's saying? He's saying, all your anxieties. All your anxieties are going to be upon the Lord, right? So so you pray here, right? By casting all your anxieties upon him and, and, and your anxieties, right? That, that, that are here and even tie here, you need to cast all of them upon the Lord. That That, that means your big worries. And that means your small worries. That means your your near worries and your your far worries, your real worries and your perceived worries. Your significant worries and your insignificant worries. The the solvable worries and the unsolvable worries. Your personal worries, your your family worries, your corporate worries, your future worries, your past worries. Those things in your control or outside of your control, they're all to be cast upon the Lord. And when you're anxious, you need to get those off of your shoulders onto the one who can bear the Lord the load. And you say who can bear the Lord bear the load? Of course it is the Lord. Consider this verse Psalm 55 verse 2. It says, "Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved." And there it is. Look, 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 look just how it speaks about on the Lord, right? Cast your anxieties on him. Even these same words here, cast and casting, the the same idea about casting your burdens, right? Here it's called a burden, here it's called an anxiety. Casting those things on the Lord, throwing them along his back. And look at how strong he is. He's going to, the promises here is that he's going to sustain us and he's not going to permit the righteous to be moved. And he will never permit the righteous to be moved. In other words, right? God is strong. Right? And so imagine yourself right, holding up the weight of this barbell, weighing 100 pounds. Right? You can hold it steady for a little bit, but soon fatigue sets in and your legs begin to shake. And you'll crumble under the pressure. And God just says, give me that barbell. I can take it and I will never allow you to be shaken. Now, this whole idea again brings us back here to verse 6. Do you notice here, even it speaks about the, the mighty hand of God? That, that's talking about the same thing as the power that he can sustain you and that he can be the one who never permits the, the righteous to be moved. God is a mighty God. He can bear your burdens. He can bear my burdens. In fact, he can bear all of our burdens all at the same time. He can lift them up and carry them better than we can and the truth, I just say, church family, the the power of God ought to give you a good reason to cast your anxieties on Him, and not attempt to bear them yourself. Um, the story is told of this guy. I I know that none of you know this guy's name. His name is Bullstrode Whitlock. Bolstrode Whitlock. I feel sorry for him. He goes through through life that name, but maybe it's a common name. He lived in the 1600s. He was involved in politics of England. It's a member of the House of Commons in his day. And at one point, Whitlock was just experiencing a tremendous amount of anxiety over the affairs of the nation. Uh, Charles I had just been executed. Uh, the army and the government were at odds with each other. There was great disagreements among Presbyterians, independents, so causing problems in the religious world and in the government world and the military world, all these things. There's a great unrest in the country. And, and one night, he was pacing about his room, really unable to sleep. And one of his trusted servants watched his master and, or his boss or whatever the relationship there. And he, and he said, pray, sir, will you give me leave to ask you a question? And Whitlock replied, well, certainly. Pray, sir, do you not think that God governed the world very well before you came into it? Undoubtedly, Whitlock agreed. And pray, sir, do you not think that he will govern it quite as well when you are gone out of it? Well, certainly, Whitlock responded again. Then, sir, pray, excuse me, but do you not think that you may trust him to govern it quite as well as long as you live? You see what the servant was doing? He he was pointing Mr. Whitlock to the power of God. If God can create a universe that's, that's vast beyond what even we're capable of understanding, then certainly he can govern the affairs of this tiny little world. If God can create this world of life, which exists in this delicate balance with plants and animals living in dependence upon one another, then certainly he can arrange the affairs of the world. If he can change the hardened and heart and open the blind eye to the gospel, which he's been doing for centuries, then certainly he can change the hearts of men and turn them wherever he wishes, Proverbs 21, verse 1. And these things ought to be comfort to our soul when you consider the greatness of God, right? when you're tempted to worry about the situation surrounding you. And that that really comes from verse 6 in terms of understanding the the mighty hand of God. And yet, in verse 7, though, there's another reason for why we should cast our anxieties upon him, right? Not only should you say your prayers, casting all your anxiety on him, but you should also know he cares. This is what Peter says in the second half of the verse, because he cares for you. He won't allow the righteous to be shaken because he will, he will care for his people. He will help us. See, God isn't in heaven saying, why are you giving me your problems? I don't want them. You can have them. No, God doesn't take the hay you've thrown upon the barn only to spit it out again, right? He's not at Wrigley Field when they hit a home run. He's not the, the fans who take that ball and they throw it back again, He's, he's, not, he's not in heaven trying to shovel it back on you. No, God gladly takes these concerns upon himself. He knows that we're weak and frail beings. And he knows the damage that carrying these things around will do for our souls. And he takes them gladly upon himself because he, he cares for us. And he saves us. I mean, when Peter wrote this epistle, think about it. He's writing it to Christians, not to non-believers. He's writing it to believers, those who have repented of their sins Who are awaiting the imperishable inheritance in heaven someday in 1 Peter chapter 1. And and, and to these people that that have repented and have have trusted in Christ. He's given them life, food, clothing, shelter, salvation, forgiveness of sins. He's the author and perfect of our faith. He's given us everything pertaining to life and God. He's given us everything because he, he cares for us. And catch this, right? That God loves us. And he has our best in mind. And, and, and I just say in America, just how inundated we are with the love of God. Right? We, just, we, we hear it a lot in the Christian world. God loves you. God loves you. I just want you to, to, to realize, though, just, just afresh of the love of God. I, I remember reading a, a series of missionary books written by Thomas Hale, who served with his wife as a medical missionary to Nepal. And he tells of a man named Kamal. Now, he may have looked something like this. He was of the Brahmin caste. He was the son of a Brahmin priest, in fact. Had received a, the necessary education to prepare him to follow, follow in his father's footsteps. And, and the medium of instruction was Sanskrit, the ancient classical language of the Indian subcontinent. And uh, Thomas Hale says this. He says, for some time he carried out the duties of a Hindu priest under his father's watchful eye. But even as the major tenets of Hinduism were being inculcated into Kamal's mind, he was becoming increasingly troubled by what he learned. He was particularly disturbed by the fact that the Hindu gods and their incarnation came mainly to punish and destroy, and that their own lives were full of sin and treachery. And he asked himself, if all these gods are unholy, who will help me to be holy? If all came to destroy, who will save? And so Thomas Hale went on to say that he, he gave him a Bible, or he was given a Bible, began to study it, and, and he read the command that Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he was surprised. Uh, later he said, I've been taught to seek out my enemies and destroy them, but this teaching was just the opposite. But when Kamal heard, Matthew 18, 11, that the Son of Man came to save that what was lost, Hale writes in a flash, Kamal realized this was the God who came to save sinners, not destroy them, that this was the God he must follow. And from that day on, Kamal said, I accepted Christ as, as God and determined to obey him. I stopped worshiping idols and threw away my holy thread. See, see that's God. He, he cares for us. He isn't one who seeks only to destroy that's right. He's a God who cares for us. And so when we're tempted to worry, we need, we need to realize that we have a, a God who will gladly help us with our anxieties. And in fact, that was the whole point of Jesus in the the Sermon on the Mount when he spoke about anxiety over and over and over again. He just pounded this thought about how God cares for us, right? Consider consider what he says and just think about God's care there here in uh, Matthew chapter six. Um, It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your, your body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet you're what? Your heavenly Father. There's the Father who cares for you. He feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? There's the care. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more clothe you? That's just the care of the Father, or you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Just just look at these. He's the heavenly Father. That he knows that you need them all. And he cares. And he will clothe you and care for you. He says, then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious of itself. Sufficient is its own day for its own trouble. You know, and and what Jesus basically saying, he says this, right? When you're caused to worry or you're anxious thoughts, right? You need to think about it. And I know of times in my life, right? When, when your mind starts racing and you can't sleep at night with a, the difficult meeting that's coming the next day or, or something taking place that's outside of my control that I'm just praying comes one way or, or the other or, uh, I'm thinking about maybe a sermon that I, I need to, to preach the next day or, you know, in your situation, say some presentation at work that you, you need to do or some sales meeting that you, you're going to have. And I, I've raced, my mind has just raced on that and sleep, is, sleep has eluded me. And sometimes it, it's easy to think that, right, I, I'm thinking too much, right? And just, I just need to shut my brain off and stop. But Jesus says the opposite. He, he says, uh, it's not you're thinking enough. It says you're not thinking rightly you're not thinking about God's wonderful care for you. Instead, you're thinking about your problems that you're, you're facing, right? You're not thinking about the ways that God has been faithful to you in the past and, and, and will be faithful to me again in the future, right? When you're worried, right? You, you start thinking about the problems. And I just encourage you, focus your mind. Spend your time thinking what is right. As D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, he said, the trouble with the person of little faith is that instead of controlling his own thought." His thought is being controlled by someone else. And as we put it, he goes round and round and round in circles. That's the essence of worry. If you lie awake at night for hours, I can tell you what you have been doing. You've been going round in circles. That's how D. Martin Lloyd-Jones pictures this. Just round and round and round. You just go over the same old miserable details about some person or something. That's not thought. That's the absence of thought. That's the failure to think. That means that something else is controlling your thought and governing it. It leads to that wretched, unhappy state called worry. And, and, and isn't that what Jesus says? He says, you need to think rightly, not just think around and around. In fact, look, look at these words that, that he uses here. In, in verse 26, he says, look <clears throat> at the birds of the air. Right? Just go outside and, and study them and think about the sparrows. They don't have tractors or combines. They never plant seeds they never store for future. They're not squirrels. Yet, do they ever lack? They don't ever lack. And you are much more, you're, are you not of more value than they? And he says beyond the birds, he tells us to consider uh, in verse 28. He says, consider the lilies of the field. Right, you go out and see the beautiful wildflowers that that are, are growing outside. They don't have sewing machines. They don't go to Joanne Fabric to purchase a, a fabric. Right, they're beautiful, and and God arrays them and more beautiful than the most majestic of kings. These flowers will soon perish. By November, they'll be shriveled up, and they'll be they cast in the furnace. But God, right. He, if he clothes them like that, will he not of much more clothe you? And so just I, I encourage you, right, in the, in the times in which your anxiety is coming, right, you, you cast your, your cares upon the Lord by praying to him. And, and you, you trust that knowing that God really cares for you. And that's why we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That, that is what you need to do. You need to seek the Lord. When your when you worry and anxiety comes upon you. Well, last week I was talking with Carissa about these things. And I was talking with her about my, my outline. And, and um, Carissa said, Dad, what are you going to preach on next week? And I said, well, 1 Peter 5, 7. And, and the outline is this. says, say your prayers and know he cares. And she thought about it for a little bit. And she said, Dad, I, I think you ought to switch those points. I think your sermon ought to be because he cares for you. That's why you need to say your prayers. Right? In other words, right? it's God's care upon us and our lives that should draw us and attract us to the Lord, really, to pray unto him. See, we're not coming to an ogre who will scold us and belittle us. No, we're coming to a caring king who will gladly take our burdens upon himself. So church family, in the midst of this corona pandemic and the, the heaps of suffering that's coming from the, the governmental response to the virus, I, I just say this don't be anxious for tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself you have enough trouble for today and so I just encourage you to say your prayers right? by casting all your anxieties on him and, and know that he cares right? because he, he cares for you and, and I would say even the opposite right? because he cares let's say your prayers so let me just pray for all of us just is the end of uh, this epistle of suffering. Peter's addressing this issue of, of suffering. Let's pray. Father, I would pray that you would help us at Rock Valley Bible Church to see and understand what's going around us and see and know and trust that you know what's going on. You are strong enough and powerful enough with your mighty right hand, uh, God, to change things and you've brought us into these circumstances. And so, Lord, I, I would pray that we would entrust ourselves to you that we would take our anxieties and throw them upon your shoulders. God, because you can take care of them because you are strong and mighty. And God, you will take care of them because you care for us. And so help us to walk, God, not as people who are are worried and anxious and fretting, but but through the midst of, of things. May we be the calm and steady people to which people turn and look and they say, why are you so calm and steady? You say, because I have a heavenly Father who is in heaven who cares for me and loves me and is powerful enough to... To see that that my good um, is for His glory, and that He will He will provide for me in all ways, and so God would pray that you would would help us, God, forever to trust you in these things. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.